Across the country, the community composting movement is growing. Small-scale composting provides communities immediate opportunities for reducing waste, improving local soil, creating jobs, and fighting climate change. You're listening to the Composting for Community podcast, where we'll bring you stories from the people doing this work on the ground and in the soil. To support this burgeoning movement, ILSR's Composting Initiative convenes a coalition of community composters from around the country and beyond. These next few episodes feature interviews from our sixth national cultivating community composting forum in New York City. We talk to attendees about why community composting matters, how they are transforming the way their communities manage their waste, and advice they have for fellow composters. So we're recording now from the sixth national cultivating community composting forum, which this year is happening in New York City. And with us now is Meredith Danberg Ficarelli. Did I say that right? You did. And she is with Common Ground Compost. She is a local uh, New York City community composter. She's also been an invaluable part of the uh, steering committee for the Community Composter Coalition for a number of years now. So we are very grateful that she's joining us now. So say hello. Thanks, Linda. Hi. Hey, everyone. So, Meredith, uh, for our listeners who may not be familiar with Common Ground Compost, uh, tell them a little bit about yourself, uh, what Common Ground does, and how composting fits in. Great. So, I'm the director of Common Ground Compost. Uh, We launched in 2014, and I joined the team in late 2015 um, as a part-time staff person, and now I'm full-time running the show. Uh, We are a consulting company. Um, that builds composting and recycling programs for businesses in New York City, focusing on food, obviously. Um, But what you find, what what one finds when one is doing organics uh, diversion work is that frequently recycling needs help too. So um, at at the commercial scale and on the consulting side, we are doing education and training, waste auditing, Um, developing new programs, standard operating procedures, helping people um, find new contracts with waste haulers if needed, uh, and really everything in between, signage, infrastructure, color coding. um, You know, these systems need to be built properly if they're going to work correctly. Um, And it it takes work to put them in place, and it takes, um, you know, a desire for transparency and uh, motivating people to understand why they should want to divert materials from landfills. Um, so I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Uh, our, our second program is a zero waste events program, um, which obviously focuses on events and diverting um, waste from landfill that's being generated at events. And the big thing that we focus on there, um, again, is education, uh, having infrastructure in place so that people can put their waste in the right category. But that has to do with um, individual interactions. So having people standing at the waste stations who help people separate their waste um, and the infrastructure, everything that has that comes with that. And our third program, and this is in no particular order, it's just the way that I list them, um, is our reclaimed organics bike-powered compost pickup service. Uh, that again started in 2014, um, and we we launched just servicing small food businesses. Um, the smallest generators in the city are the ones that are least served by the commercial waste industry. Uh, imagining a bucket as opposed to a 64 gallon container, a truck does not want to stop for a bucket or a bag. Uh, so micro hauling fits into that space, 
and we're servicing small food businesses and now also offices. So we launched a service, sort of a concierge white glove service where we are going into corporate offices and, and collecting material from individual tenants in corporate buildings. Um, we have a site, uh, it's a school garden um, in the East Village of Manhattan um, where we, we have a two-phase composting process that uses Bokashi fermentation and then an above-ground aerated static pile um, in two four-foot by four-foot by three-foot um, wooden bins, um, rat-proof, hopefully, bins. Um, but we've been displaced from that site since October of 2018 by a fire in an adjacent building. Um, so we are currently working out of a shipping container on the street. Um, so if you drive on 11th Street between 1st Avenue and Avenue A, you will see a blue shipping container. Um, give it a pat. That's where our <laughs> gear is. Um, and so we have also sort of expanded our operations into working more with commercial buildings um, in order to sort of maintain our operation. Uh, so instead of processing on site, we're working with a commercial waste hauler who picks up from us and takes our material to industrial compost sites around the city. So you guys are doing a lot. You're yes. do taking a very comprehensive sort of holistic approach and you have exemplified being adaptive to your environment and things that come up. So I think that there's a lot of uh, lessons to be taken from that. How did you get into composting? I kind of fell into it. Um, I was I was really lucky to when I was in grad school studying um, for a, a master's in um, urban policy and sustainability management. Um, I traveled to Beirut in Lebanon, and um, I was very lucky to meet and learn from um, a composter and mechanical engineer and agriculturalist there, um, and. Uh, also working with a farm-to-table restaurant, they were really interested in trying to go zero waste and didn't have anyone to shepherd the process. So I read a lot about how to do a waste audit um, and what zero waste means um, and helped them um, start that process. That was in the summer of 2011, uh, and th that's sort of where it started. I recognized that um, there's a lot of food in our waste stream, um, both edible food and inedible food, um, or food scraps. Um, and I, I came back to the city after that summer and just had sort of this like awakening of, uh, wow, this is what I want to do. So, Wow, such a cool story. I've been wanting to ask you about your time in Lebanon. Uh, how would you say the waste situation in Lebanon differs from here in the U.S. or New York City specifically? There are, so there are differences and there are similarities. Um, major differences is, is looking at sort of, a, you know, a developing versus industrialized economy perspective mm -hmm. of how, how waste is handled logistically. Um, at the time, so in 2011 when I was there and through 2013, which is, you know, that was sort of the time that I spent there, uh, there was one company that had a contract to collect all the waste um, in the sort of Beirut metropolitan area. Um, so, you know, that's a monopoly. Um, and there were large, uh, two yard metal containers in the streets, um, in parking spots, uh, you know, anywhere from two to 10 of them lined up and everyone would bring their waste to those containers. Um, which one could argue could be a great system. Um, if, if there's a system in place to offer something other than just uh, landfill, mm -hmm. um, it all, it created or led to, or fostered, um, 
uh, an informal economy, um, a repair economy, um, a sca scavenger, in air quotes, economy of pulling the valuable materials out. So there were always people, which is dangerous, but there were always people either, you know, digging through or pulling out um, plastic bottles and metal and potentially still functioning um, appliances and other things, which one could argue happens here in, in New York City. So there's a similarity. Um, it, you know, differences, sure, um, you know, regulatory um, differences. Um, soon after uh, I left Lebanon in, in 2013, uh, there was a major upheaval. That contract with that company ended and a new contract uh, didn't, uh, there's a lot of, there are a lot of political challenges and other things that led to this. Um, but uh, the end result was that there was garbage in the streets. Um, no one was picking up the trash, so it was piling up. Um, and that is an incredibly unfortunate situation. And, uh, very, very large structural problems led to it. But um, one uh, silver lining is that it made people recognize um, not only the problems that they face with political corruption and societal challenges and you know inequality and all of these things, um, but, but it also, I think, made people think twice about adding to the pile mm -hmm. um, how, much, how, how much their individual consumption activities um, uh, you know, how, how that aggregates. Um, so I think there was a lot of awareness around waste reduction and finding infrastructure, developing infrastructure and finding alternatives. Um, and there's amazing work happening in Lebanon now. Um, the Green Glass Recycling Initiative is focusing entirely on um, improving uh, sort of a dying glass blowing industry and cool. doing reclamation of glass, which is a huge challenge even here. Um, there's, there's work being done on the organics front, um, on plastics diversion. Uh, there's, there's a lot happening, and I think um, that's happening all over the world in, in cities everywhere, which is really exciting. Such an interesting case study. Yeah. Um, so interesting to compare it to what we experience here. Um, yeah, and it's, you know, it builds out of um, an individual or a group of individuals who who have a mission and won't stop. So, yeah. And they're very worth, invested worth in it. Yeah. Yes, yes, personally, financially, <laughs> politically, everything. Yeah. Awesome. So this is not your first time attending one of these cultivating community composting forums. How many have you been to now? So LA was the first one, 2017. Yep. Um, then Atlanta in 2018, and then Phoenix in 2019. So you're a three-year veteran. I am. What is it that has kept you coming back and has kept you involved in the coalition? Because you also co-lead the bike-powered subgroup. So what keeps me coming back? Um, the people keep me coming back. The the first conference that I, the first forum that I came to was the Los Angeles one, and I had never been to a U.S. Composting Council conference. I had never um, been to um, one of one of the Cultivating Community Composting Forums, and my colleague Laura Rosenshine um, sort of encouraged me to do it, and I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know anyone, and I got in late uh, and, and took a cab or whatever to the Airbnb that um, someone who I'd never met but was emailing with had organized, and got there and very warm welcome to a 10 person Airbnb with one bathroom. And I was like, this, all right, this is going to work. Um, so you got to know each other very did. well. We did. Uh, yes. And, and it was amazing. Um, you know, we, we work in silos, which is a big challenge. A lot of, a lot of the time I try to recognize that I live in a bit of an echo chamber. Um, when you're doing consulting work, you are providing a service to someone that wants you to be there. Um, so I have to check myself frequently and remember that, you know, um, 
uh, that not all of my friends want to hear me talk about trash all the time. <laughs> um, so it's it's pretty exciting to be in a place where um, everyone is doing different work, but but towards a common goal um, and in very different ways. So we have a lot to learn from each other, but there are so many parallels. Um, and seeing one of the things that I was most excited about for this year um, was having seen the growth between 2017, 2018, and 2019, running into some people at USCC when I was there um, in, uh, in Phoenix um, and recognizing that there were going to be even more people because um, New York City is great and there's a lot happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so seeing and learning um, from others and, and recognizing the evolution of everyone's programs. Awesome. And to clarify for our listeners, uh, so this is the sixth National Cultivating Community Composting Forum. Uh, The first couple were hosted in conjunction with the BioCycle Conference. BioCycle is still a great supporter of this event. Uh, The next couple, uh, two or three, were hosted in conjunction with the U.S. Composting Council's annual uh, conference and trade show. But this year, we're really excited because this is... The first time that we're hosting a standalone event with 140 plus uh, community composters and people who support community composting in New York City. And New York City seemed like such an appropriate place to launch that sort of standalone uh, you know, event just because of how much is going on here. And we had a day with four different types of tours that you could see sites in different parts of the city. I mean, there's just so much going on here. Yeah. Is this the most people we've ever had in the forum? Yeah, absolutely. I think by far. Yeah. So, very exciting. So, if someone who didn't really know what community composting was, how would you answer the question? Or how would you tell them? How would you explain it to them? What is community composting? So, community composting in New York City um, happens at a lot of different scales. Um, And it can be, uh, you know, a self-run worm bin under your sink. And it can be uh, a large sort of almost industrial scale facility under a bridge, um, you know, run with city funding. So coming into the community composting world, you know, coming to the very first conference in L.A. in, in 2017, uh, I, I was coming from a perspective of, of understanding that all these different scales existed, but not knowing what was happening in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, and learning about the the work that's being done from the from the waste equity frame um, and from the social justice frame um, was was a that was a new world for me um, as it relates to community composting and it just makes so much sense mm-hmm. um, because I see it the same way um, but hadn't really had those things defined before so the way I see I see community composting is the same way that I see the, the potential for quote-unquote waste um, to be a resource, uh, organics especially, but all of our materials. Mm-hmm. We generate waste in communities, so we should process waste in communities. If we're talking about you know, the challenges of carbon emissions that are associated with transport, like why not focus on you know, the, sort of the end of the supply chain um, first? Uh, because it's something that all of us touch and it's something that all of us have the potential to be able to engage with um, as long as we're given the tools and resources and as long as the infrastructure is available, you know, which is a structural challenge, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I, so I see community composting within that frame of sort of reclaiming our power, if you will. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think the way that a community manages its waste 
is so, it tells you so much about what's going on in that community, how directly uh, and intentionally they deal with it. It just speaks volumes about maybe how it treats its people um, and environment in general. So, so much to be learned. Um, and I love geeking out about waste with everybody here. Um, but food scraps are not, organics are not waste until they're wasted. So um, that's a way that we look at it at ILSR anyway. Maybe you could share with us what goals, top of mind goals you have for, for your business for this year. This year, I'd love to break even. I'd love to get back into our site so that we can be processing again. Uh, and no longer have our team operating out of a shipping container on the street. And we very much want to have our team employed full-time. We're not there yet, but we, we're getting there. And it's exciting to be engaging more and bringing, you know, bringing the team more into development conversations and conversations about growth and you know, the directions that we're heading in. You know, we're, we're operating all these different services. So understanding how each of those can grow independently of each other um, and how people can take ownership over those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds like good goals. Uh, any advice that you might share with anybody just getting started in composting? Dive into it. <laughs> um, talk to people. Uh, listen to podcasts. Um, I think that's a good thing. Uh, read, read books and visit sites, uh, but recognize that the people that you visit have a lot of work to do. You know, we, we want to share with each other and we want to lend our experience and our knowledge. And I think it's important to recognize that people need to do their work in addition to educating people about their work. So, you know, be, be sort of, um, selective in how you seek information, um, and respectful. It's a balance, yeah. sharing and making sure people have <laughs> time to take care of what they need to take care of. Right. And so to close out, how can folks find out more about Common Ground Compost? CommonGroundCompost.com on Instagram at, at CommonCompost. And we are always engaging with hopefully paid staff people, but sometimes volunteers at Zero Waste Events. It's a really good way to dive right into it. Um, you learn a lot by having to help people sort their waste, and we always do a quick training beforehand to help people understand what's what, because um, who knows the difference between a compostable cup and a non-compostable cup when they both look the same, which is another huge problem. Um, we need better federal-level regulations on what materials are used and how they're managed and where they go and how they're labeled. Not to digress there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, looking forward to connecting with people. Awesome. Thank you, Meredith, and thank you all for listening. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Composting for Community podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. This episode is produced by myself and Hiba Murray. We'll be back again next month with a new episode. Our theme music is I Dunno from Grapes. Be sure to check out the rest of the ILSR podcast family, including Building Local Power, Local Energy Rules, and Community Broadband Bits at ILSR.org.